If you've wondered about the Enneagram or maybe just how the Enneagram can help your marriage, you are in for a treat, friend. We're diving into that today, but also we're talking about real soul care. Oh man, this is, I've, ne- I've never had a conversation like this about our soul care. You are going to love it. We're sitting down with Janice McWilliams. She's the author of Restore My Soul, Reimagining Self-Care for a Sustainable Life. But more than that, what she does day in and day out, she's a Christian counselor. She's a speaker. She's an author. She does this again all day long. She helps couples really connect and understand the beauty, the fullness of how God made each of us, specifically within marriage, but then also how we can be healthy, how we can stop playing the Christianese checklist game and actually become the full selves God created us to be by first experiencing what that looks like ourselves, being healthy. Oh my land, I fell in love with her. You are too. So let's just listen in to this awesome conversation with Janice McWilliams. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Together with a Wife Like Me. If you've been around for a while, you know me. I'm Amanda Davison. I'm your host. And every Sunday, we have a guest with us, typically a guest. Sometimes it's just me. Um, And we just share awesome ways for us to transform as wives and to grow in our faith and in our marriages and really as daughters of the King. And so I'm so excited tonight. You're going to love this conversation. We are diving in to a great conversation with Janice McWilliams. Welcome, Janice. Hi, Amanda. I'm so glad to be here. Excited to get into it. I know. Me too. You have a new book, Restore My Soul, Reimagining Self-Care for a Sustainable Life. So yay, we're going to be diving into how the Enneagram can help us as married couples. We're going to be talking about self-care and it's going to be so great. So Janice, before we get into it, why don't you introduce yourself for those of us who are new to who you are? Sure. My name is Janice McWilliams and I have a couple of different hats that I wear in my life. I am a psychotherapist and work um, primarily with couples, but also with individuals. Um, I'm a spiritual director. And so I have a mix of people seeing me for counseling and spiritual direction. I also have worked um, as a speaker, trainer, facilitator, seminar retreat leader um, in various capacities, but often with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Um, which is a campus ministry organization. And, and so I love to be able to present about topics that are just empower people to live better, relate better, and not to burn out or mm-hmm. become completely overwhelmed in their lives or relationships. So these are the things that I'm passionate about. I love taking concepts distilling them, making them understandable and practical and talking about how to live them out. So yeah. Yay. Well, I can tell in the way that you just laid out your book, it's, it's clear that you can, you, you are gifted in that ability to clearly just simply break concepts down so that we can really grasp it and then move forward with them and navigate all that. So, so good. Um, And so one of the things, like you said, you do is you help couples really navigate and grow together using the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, for those of you watching, if you are listening, like, oh, the Enneagram, they're talking about the Enneagram. I want to say we are linking in the comments, in the show notes, uh, an article by the Gospel Coalition. So please read that and use your discretion. Ask Holy Spirit about it. But we have found, which I have my own thoughts. I should actually maybe do a podcast episode on this. But um, the field of really understanding who God made us to be, right? We have God has given us these amazing tools to be able to help us understand how He uniquely made us. And so I, I see it as a beautiful gift that um, under the Lordship of Jesus, um, we can see these tools as helpful. Um, and really be able to grow together. So um, let's dive into that because that honestly, the Enneagram for myself and my husband has been so helpful 
And I still, (laughs) yes, I still, even yesterday, like almost not, I would say almost daily, almost daily. I remember why he is the way he is. And, and that it's a beautiful thing. And whereas before, honestly, before I understood who, who really God made him to be fully, obviously I'm not going to know fully, but more, more complete because of the Enneagram. It's, it's really honestly like helped so much. I used to be so angry about these things. And, and now I'm like, Oh, that makes total sense. Why you see that that way. So let's just talk about it. Maybe for those of you who are newer to it, you can go wherever you want with this, but I'm excited. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, the the Enneagram is, is really very simply a personality typing wisdom tradition that has ancient roots and has become more popular here presently as people have, um, some people have been in it in a deep way for a long time, but other people have just discovered it and thought, oh, this, this way of looking at our different motivations, core motivations, and how we automatically relate to the world and how we do when we're doing well and how we do when we're not doing well. Um, yeah. That whole kind of constellation of concepts is what the Enneagram does really well. Now, I think sometimes people have a problem with it because people, just like anything, can become too dependent on it or so identified with it that they identify with their Enneagram type, you know, above as, as their primary identity. When our, our primary identity is being children of God yes. and, and followers of Jesus. And so that I, I, I'll offer that because I think a lot of people do kind of go overboard like yes. you can with anything and make it an idol. Yes. But what I love about the the Enneagram is that it basically it it distills all of us into nine different types that represent nine different ways of seeing the world, interacting with the world, and the and kind of our core motivations that drive us. And while um, it would be easy to use that to trap people into like certain categories when I think used in the way that I think that it works the best. It's more like a description of tendencies that can help sort of pull the judgment we have against other people, sort of pull the, pull the plug on judgment and sort of drain it out as you recognize, Oh, you know, that person tends to, pull back when conflict happens for, for these different reasons, just like I tend to go forward, you know, when people, when, or, you know, they can see other people do different things than me, but I've got the same kind of, uh, while my tendencies to, um, to sin or to, um, react badly look different than my spouse. Yeah. We both have those. And so it, it, and it's beautiful when people can see, oh, I see what you're doing and I understand why. It's because of that core fear you have. Oh, it's because of that, that primary um, orientation you have. And, and so it can be very freeing and yeah. I think increase love and respect and willingness to connect when it's, when it's used really well. And so that's why I love using it as a tool for marriage work. Um, and when people, when the couples that come to see me also really go deep in their own learning about the Enneagram, it is, I mean, I can't think of a time that it hasn't been really helpful and then yes. really a great adjunctive, you know, piece of what we're doing um, yes. you know, where we're weaving in talking about different concepts. And then we're like, Hey, let's take a break. This seems like a, the low side of the type five is coming out here and, and meeting the low side of the you know, type eight. And let's, let's talk about what that looks like. You know, so yeah. we, we'll have a little moment to talk about that. And, and pe- you know, usually people are like, ah, I did it yeah. again, you know, and then what does it look like to relate, you know, in the, on the high side of the type instead, you know, just like in any kind of counseling paradigm, I might be offering developmental assists, you know, that they can look like, Hey, why don't you try this instead? Wow. But the, Enneagram, the Enneagram basically gives a lot of this. Why don't you try this instead? But yeah, yeah. You know, but you can read books on it and yes. try it. So yeah. So can we just use my husband and I as a oh, sure? <laughs> By all means. <laughs> <laughs> we can do 
can help us. No, but like for real, if anyone, for those of you watching and maybe later listening on the podcast. Um, so I'm a seven mm. and my husband's a five. Can you, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, can you give us like, maybe let's just talk about those. And for those of you new to the Enneagram, or maybe just like, maybe you are, you know, you know, your number, you maybe think, you know, your husband's or something, but you don't know how this could help. Let's maybe like talk about how, you know, me being a seven and my husband being a five, let's talk about maybe what they are. And then, um, are the weak sides and you know, you, whatever you can ask me, whatever too, I'm an open book, but let's just maybe talk about that to give, to help people understand how this can be helpful. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm actually married to a type seven. So, um, so I have a lot of, you know, intimate uh, acquaintance with that type and I'm a, I'm myself a type four. Okay. So there are just a few interesting, um, realities about your your combination and my combination too but the five and the seven are both head types so they value what they think mm. in in um in a, a way of <laughs> trusting that maybe more than than valuing their gut instinct or valuing kind of their their heart um mm. their kind of selves but they think about really different things so a type seven. Don't, don't say Janet. <laughs> a type seven tends to be thinking about what's the next next adventure, what's the next fun, how am I going to make sure that I'm not missing any possibility for something that that could be exciting and thrilling, mm-hmm. um, joyous, infectious. So it was pretty fun to be around a type seven in a lot of ways. A type five is thinking more about how can I kind of take care of my information, get more, get more information, become more of an expert, um, take care of it more, guard myself from all the messy humans and all the ways they may suck energy from me. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so I imagine that that dynamic might result some in, um, in, in some kind of conflicts about energy expenditure. Mm. So the seven's always like, let's go. Mm. And the five's always like, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have energy for that. Like I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to need to protect myself from the, the possibility of getting drained too much by the, we, you know, yeah. external yeah. focus. Yes, that's true. That's true. The, the unique thing about my husband and I is I have an autoimmune. So my energy, oh, it's my, not- my counselor says, that how does he say it? He's so fun. He said it so right on. He said, your body does not match your personality. Oh. And I was like, that's my problem. Like, you know, because it's so frustrating. <laughs> my problems, right? But like it's true. So the interesting thing is I have a I like want to do all the fun things, but I know that my body can't do all the fun things. Mm. So that isn't our main area where I see for us, which I can imagine if I had the energy, it would be. Um, but I do think my husband, and, and I, is this true of a five that they tend to see, uh, more of like how things can be improved. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and so they tend to see, um, maybe what's not, how it can be better, how things can be better always, you know, things can be different. And so that's where I think we see, cause I'm just like, whatever. Like, it's totally fine. <laughs> I don't see a problem. It's good enough. <laughs> right. I am not worried about that at all. Yeah. And he's like, but what if we did it, you know, this way? I'm like, whatever, you know? So that's where I think for us, we, we tend to see that interplay more with, yeah. with his ways of improvement. And I'm like, improve what, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's been funny, but yeah. So then what about two, like in our times of stress? I, I, and I'm, you know, I think I had you on Janice for me. I'm just realizing, no kidding. It's for all of us, but really in the time of stress, we go toward a different area too. Right. I think yeah. for if I remember, and I, again, I don't know a whole lot, but for a seven, don't we go toward like a perfectionistic, like when we're stressed? Mm-hmm. More yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
sevens go, you know, they're, they're thinking about all the fun and all the, all the things they could learn about or think about or, um, and, and often have kind of like an invitational, like, let's go do the thing. Yeah. And when, when they're in stress, um, and sometimes the stress will come when, when things aren't going the way the seven wishes, like the people aren't coming along or the adventure isn't taking shape, they can move towards the low side of the one, which is kind of more insistent and demanding and kind of doubling down on like, it's not playful anymore. It's like, this needs to happen and there's anxiety behind it and stuff. So it gets, it can be um, really hard to be around a seven who's in that, in that place because they're, they're more rigid, less playful, more rigid, less lighthearted and more kind of insistent or anxious. Yes. It's so annoying. (laughs) 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 Look, all of us are probably pretty annoying in our stress types, you know, when we, that direction of our stress types. Um, Fives go to the type seven in stress. Um, but yeah, yeah. But the, the way that can look is that the fives, um, take all that headiness that often has this objective detached, um, in, in a, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way, but that detached ability to look and observe and see what can be improved, like you're saying, but like to see everything at once and be able to look at it. When um, when the five is in stress, they they that almost tends to kind of uh, go into a, a denial space or like a fantasy space, like of, of denying pain and kind of an internal fantasy that's almost like a the five can tend to want to cloister themselves to conserve mm-hmm. their inner energy. And and when they're in stress and going even further into that, it's like they cloister even further within themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's harder mm-hmm. to even make access, you know, connect with yeah. them. So there's like a um, a metaphor that one of my fives, uh, five friends gave me was that of being in the, in a, you know, one of the towers of a castle mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a drawbridge, you know, down there. And the, the five likes to be kind of be up in the castle saying, okay, who's out there and like, who am I going to let in? I'll let down the drawbridge. I'll let some people in, and we're going to put it back up. <laughs> like, not too much. Yeah. And, and I think when the, when the fives in stress, they're, they're going to let that drawbridge down less frequently. Mm, that's um, good. And they're not only going to be, you know, thinking a lot like they tend to, but, but thinking even deeper into kind of this core of like un, unreality and, and fantasy. So they can feel like they sort of get further and further away from you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is why probably in, you know, stress within my husband and I, or like a tension with, with, when it's with us or even just not with us with work and he brings it home or something. I, it's like so hard to tap into him, like, mm-hmm. you know, like right here, babe, you know? Um, but it's like, you know, that's, that just makes so much sense. Or if we are having an issue or conflict, it's so hard for him to want to go there and yet I love to talk about it. I'm a wing eight. And so I'm like, I want to, I want to dive in. Let's talk about all the hard things that you're upset about. And I want to resolve it so we can move forward and have more fun. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's be clear about the ultimate motivation. there. <laughs> I want to resolve this, <laughs> but you know, it is hard for him. And now that makes sense. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's good stuff, but I hope, you watching or listening can see like, Oh, that, that makes sense. And so for each number, there's like this core, like motivation again, of what, what really is moving us like toward whatever that is or why we see, like, I don't, my house is usually a disaster unless I'm stressed. And then, you know, again, then it's like, you guys, we need to clean all the things. And, um, and then it's not fun, but usually, you know, that's because I'm not motivated by that. I'm not motivated by order. I'm motivated by what might we do that's different today? Or how can we bring like, you know, enthusiasm to something where my husband is information and whatever. Right. So, and then where we each go on stress and what are, what are, I don't know, not strengths, but the, whatever is of our numbers, it's just Mm -hmm. so beautiful. And I love that. You and your husband, like you have an eight wing, you said, yes. Fives go to, to, some of the strength and energy and 
um, movement of the eight in, in times of security. Mm. So you guys might have a meeting place there, you know, the, in that, in that type eight energy, because the fives, when they, you know, they, they get out of like research mode, like I've got to, I've got to learn more. I've got to become more of an expert, got to, you know, cause they can do that. You can get really stuck in that and never do anything. Yeah. yeah. Just learn, learn more. Uh, this is like, like trying to plan a home edition with a five or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had to work with some couples who the vibes like we can never hire an architect because I haven't researched enough. Yes. I I don't know enough yet. Um, But when the five moves towards the eight and security, it means they're like, okay, I know enough and I'm ready to put it out into the world in some way. And, And so in you having that energetic kind of eight wing too, I imagine you guys meet in that, in that, the energy and like, we're doing something, we're changing the world. We're, you know, we're, we're putting our mark in our communities, worlds and neighborhoods yeah. in a way that's probably pretty powerful. That's so true. When we, yes, when he does feel good about a decision finally, or yeah. something that he's doing in his business or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very exciting. Cause I'm like, sweet, do it, go for it. Awesome. And like, boom, you know, and, and, and it does feel good. That's so true. That's interesting. I didn't know that about a five that they they go to an eight. Anyway, this is great. <laughs> um, and what's that? What's the book that uh, is it becoming us? Is that the Enneagram uh, book for married cup for couples? Oh, oh, I think so. Yeah, I, 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 I was thinking you were talking about Suzanne Stabile's book because. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. journey towards wholeness, which I really like. Um, okay. But I think you're right. And I haven't read that book yet. I, need to. I think it's McCord's. Is it McCord's? And maybe, yes, it's very helpful. So get that book too. If you're like, what is, what are they talking about? Get that book, Becoming Us. We'll link it in the comments and in the show notes. So, um, okay, let's switch gears here because one of the, I want to talk about your book, Restore My Soul. I, I have found you know, in, in Christian circles that, well, first off, again, you're, you're a counselor. You have your master's in, is it divinity? Yes. And, and pastoral counseling, a master of divinity and master's in pastoral counseling. So all the things you love Jesus. Yes. And here you are helping men and women fully understand who God made them to be so that they can really navigate that in a way that brings them into a place of health and wholeness. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I find that what I love about your book, it's different than other books I've read on this topic of self-care um, in that you lay this out in how we can live well with certain things. So you laid out with living well with our thoughts, mm-hmm. emotions, mm-hmm. establishing soul restoring rhythms, and then living a, living a life of fulfillment, really living well in that place of fulfillment. So you lay that out and then you also lay out essential skills. Yeah. In this area. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think has, is missing from so many books I've read on this topic. And so I just, I just want to say shout out to you. And it's so helpful if you are, here's what I was going to say. I'm all over the place, but in the Christian community, I think that we tend to hear the message that listening to your emotions, listening to your um, feelings is not helpful. You should deny them. You should, if you listen to your emotions or your feelings, you're going to end up in a place of sin. Okay. Cause you can't be led. This is what we hear. Typically you can't be led by your feelings or your emotions. And it eh, always comes up in me, right. When I hear that. And so I love the, the beauty of, wait a second here. Like God created us with emotion, with feeling, with the ability to yeah. have thoughts. Mm-hmm. So, and so what if those are telling us something and what if we listened to what they're telling us? And so anyway, I love the book. I want to dive into that because really what you're doing is you're looking at how Jesus lived and you're looking at how did Jesus do this? Absolutely. What, what can we learn from how he lived and, and actually managed his own self and listened to his own self? So anyway, 
I don't know where you want to go with that, but <laughs> somewhere. Uh, I I love that you raised it. The 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 whole um, topic of emotions and how afraid. I think particularly in this in, in the in the Christian world, like some particular ways that we have grown accustomed to being afraid of certain emotions. And I mean, just a one very low bar psychological reality is whatever we resist persists. Mm-hmm. And so the process of fighting against emotions becomes a much bigger problem for us than actually what it would take to experience an emotion in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And, and so what, I, what I'm aiming to do in the book is to sort of say, hey, 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 look at all these ways we've learned or bought into fighting emotions. Yeah. And what if we don't do that? Because it requires tons more effort, tons more energy than just having a healthy experience of any given emotion that, yeah. that I, I think we do not have to be afraid of. I think some people, they, they get um, afraid of being um, driven into sin or something like, like you're suggesting. Um, are they, they are afraid they'll become overcome by the emotion or they may never stop experiencing it. Okay. To that point though, I have a couple of things to say, but if you, if you've experienced joy, Amanda, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure you really love experiencing. I do. Um, Do you ever, do you ever feel afraid or wonder, I wonder if this will never stop? I mean, I would like it to never stop. (laughs) I don't, I don't sit and think about that. No. Right. You know, but sadness, you might have that fear. Mm-hmm. Most of us understand that when we have emotions that we deem to be positive, they have a beginning, a middle, and then and they have an arc. And then and then we're sort of back at our baseline. You know, it doesn't it only takes about a minute to experience an emotion from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. But the process of like trying to tamp down an emotion like, no, 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 no. we're not going to feel angry. No anger. You know, good Christians don't feel angry. Mm. <laughs> angry. Then we just, we end up ha- being uh, driven or bothered or impacted by that emotion for hours potentially yeah. because we didn't just allow ourselves to experience it. Yeah. And, and I think what I love about Jesus life is that we see times when he was angry, when he was sad, when he was distressed at many points and, and we can read like, Oh, okay. He had these experiences and because he was such a healthy person, he, he was able to experience those emotions in a really, really healthy grounded way so that he was not driven by them unconsciously to actions that led him outside of who and how he wanted to be when he was on earth. He was always aligned with who and how he wanted to be because he was dealing with his emotions really well. And so that's, that's what I'm aiming to help do is to, to kind of take the fear out of the emotions and to, and to understand none, no emotions in, in, of themselves are, there's, no, there's not morality to them. Yeah. It's what we do in response to them or how we might you know, nurture them or, you know, work with them or fantasize, you know, like even, even being very angry with another person, the experience of anger. Okay. I would say that's morally neutral. Now, if I go into like a week's long fantasy about the demise of this person I'm angry with, well, that's a problem. You know, (laughs) then in my thoughts, I'm actually sinning against this person. Mm. But but mm. the experience of anger with someone—that's just what it's like to be human. Yes. So, yeah. And and God experienced anger. It experiences anger, and we see that in Scripture all the time. Like that. So it's not, there's nothing wrong with anger. We might do things in response to anger that drive us outside of who we want to be. But taking yeah. away the fear and looking at Jesus at our model is one of the, I mean, that's what I really want to be about. And then applying some of the skills about, okay, how can you in a more healthy way experience emotions? Yeah. I think what's so different about your message is that 
I don't hear when it, when we talk about self-care in the Christian community, we don't talk. I don't, I am not familiar or aware with messages regarding our emotional health, our, um, our emotions, our feelings, our thought life, when it comes to self-care. I don't think that that is typically what we talk about. We do probably get into, you know, which your book does get into in a different way too. I would say a new refreshing way, the the soul restoring rhythms. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, when you think about the bride of Christ, the church, you, me, followers of Jesus, we are to be displaying the beauty of our creator. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think we're able to do that. I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but I don't think we're really able to do that unaware of and repressing or ignoring or trying to dismiss, refute, reject what we really are experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us to be healthy as the body of believers that Christ came and died for us to, to be, I do want us to be challenged by this and really, you know, lean into this message in your book because I, I see so many, and I'm sure you do every day. That's what you do. You sit with individuals and you help them with this, but we are not, if we don't know how to really experience what it is we're feeling, thinking, or, you know, whatever, um, then we're not going to be able to really be whole and go out and, and, and smell and look and leak Jesus to the world. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so much of the impetus behind my writing the book came out of session after session after session with people where whatever they were dealing with, whether it was relationship issues or just, um, you know, stuff going on in their families or, um, what, whatever they were dealing with or processing in therapy, there would come a time in the session where we would kind of pivot to, okay, how are you going to feel better tomorrow? Right. And then, and I realized I was having conversations about, about how are you dealing with your thoughts? How are you dealing with your emotions? Do you, do your days have kind of an up and down, you know, rhythm to them? Are you doing enough fulfilling things? And so we, you know, I would have all these conversations because like a lot of, a lot of people think of self-care as, something you do like a spa day um, that's very occasional for most of us, very expensive (laughs) and requires like six hours of childcare or something. So it's, it's something you, you might stop your life to do periodically, which I I think, I mean, I'm all for those things, but when, when it's that kind of experience we think of, when we think of self-care, we're not tending to the day, you know, the hour to hour day to day realities it's making us potentially feel bad. And yes. I want everyone who reads my book to be able to, to know, I know how to pivot in any given hour and do something that is going to help me feel better than yes. if I did not do that thing. Yes. Whether it's redirecting my attention from thoughts that are really despairing or catastrophic or whatever, or if it's allowing myself to dial into what I'm experiencing emotionally and experience that in a healthy way. Um, whether that's taking a better break um, and really letting the, the sort of pace of your brain shift and acknowledging yourself as a, as a creature with a soul that, that needs tending um, or, or it's whether it's figuring out like, Oh my, my life is becoming kind of thin and anemic because I'm not, doing things that bring me fulfillment. Yes. Um, and those don't have to be giant, really difficult things. They can be like small, you know, reaching out to and texting a friend that you know is in need. Or yeah. like I have this story in the book of having this um, blanket I had gotten for a friend um, as a gift and it was sitting next to the front door and I had not delivered it to her for like weeks. <laughs> I was like, I was so happy when I bought this blanket. <laughs> I have given it to her, and and I, you know, do it. You know, go deliver the blanket. You know, and, and just in yeah. the way that 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 gave me such a so much joy to actually bring it to her and see her light up. It was during the pandemic too, so she sent mm. me her later. You know, cuddled under the blanket, and yeah, you know that we we get so 
um, so busy and frenetic and, 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 and in fifth gear all the time, you know, that we, we miss things that would just be simple acts of self-care that actually help the world too. Yes. That make a big difference. Yes. Yes. It's so good. We need that. We need that. And I loved your part on the better breaks too. Like, yeah. oh, it, it's like, these are practical ways, you know, we can actually experience a new rhythm. I always say we have to interrupt the, the regular broadcasting. You have to like literally stop, right? To like take the time to reimagine, restructure, mm-hmm. you know, introduce new rhythms into yeah. your day. And I am with you on the fact that, you know, if we think of self-care as having to add something in, or even I talk about this a lot here in Wife Like Me, where we, I don't, I want to challenge women to not feel or think about um, when we talk about building and growing in our faith, that it's not an addition to necessarily, right? Like I don't have to, in order to grow in my relationship with with God, I, I have to wake up 15 minutes earlier and then, and add it in to my already busy day. It's, wait a second, what if we rethought and, and really looked at what, like even our thought of adding on to what we already have, it's just so overwhelming. And it feels so, you know, feels like so heavy because so many of us already have a heavy day, right? But what if it was intertwined into a time that I already have available, but I'm using it in a different way, right? Oh yeah, my, my goal when I'm working with people about trying to address the problem that so many people have, which is like from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, they're like in high gear, you know, all day until they crash, you know, with their phone, you know, dropping out of their hand and falling out of their face at the end of the day. You know, like that, 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 that's the problem for a lot of people. But my, my goal when I'm working with people is that whatever we do to try to help you feel better, it's got to be daily and doable. If it's, if you don't feel like it's doable, you're not going to do it. Yeah. And it should not be that hard to basically like, like one of the things I'm passionate about is, is letting people know there's nothing wrong with moving fast. There's nothing wrong with having go time or seasons of your life that are really busy or a day that's just full and charged. Right. The problem is that when, is when that is unrelenting, when you Mm. never have slow. Yeah, we only have fast. We know that to be very difficult for the human body to sustain. It's not good for us. It's too much stress hormone. Yeah. So, so when I'm working with someone to say, okay, it's got to be daily and doable. What are you going to do it? And we're talking about better breaks. It might be like my, you know, client or who um, Angelina, let's call her. She's like she she's taking a break in the middle of her day. But what does she do when she takes a break? She's on her phone. She's on her phone. So so no, she gets on her phone and the phone, um, typically for most of us, it, it introduces just more stress hormone into Mm -hmm. us because we're seeing a headline or we're seeing an email or we're seeing a notification or we're seeing something that makes us feel envy or jealousy or something. So there, so there's, there's more stress hormone. It's not a great break. So in, in a plan for someone like Angelina, we might say, okay, Take the exact same amount of time you would take on your phone, but let's like put the phone aside. And how about you look out the window for mm-hmm. six seconds? Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember even for myself at the beginning of the pandemic when all the um, therapy sessions were going online. And so that was a big change, but also everybody wanted to talk about their stress because of the pandemic, which I was experiencing too. Right, like harder sort of therapy to do, like when you're like I'm in it just as much as you are. But um, I had a a group supervision with other therapists who were talking about how do we take care of ourselves, and and um, I decided in that time in between my sessions I would do um, just a a series of body stretches, like do a sun Mm -hmm. salutation twice while doing a breath prayer, Mm -hmm. and it took me like two minutes to do. And then did it in between every session instead of just filling the whole break between sessions with like check my email, or write my note. But you know, I took I took two minutes to do something a little different. So that meant I did it four or five times, you know, in the day, and it made a huge difference. 
it really didn't take very much time. It yeah. wasn't a big time commitment. And that that's what I'm always trying to help people to do. What are what can we get three things in your busy days here during this busy season that help help you go slow? Yeah. In the middle of all that going fast. And I think that's part of what you probably see the success in in the people you're helping is when there's a plan, just knowing that <clears throat> like knowing we're gonna spend that break doing something, that's even helpful, you know? Like having that idea already set, like, oh, okay, today on my lunch break <clears throat> or my whatever, whenever, I'm gonna XYZ. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, yeah, one of one of um one person I was working with, she had a big walk across campus from one class to another where she, she didn't have really any friends that did that particular route with her, but she would just um, brood like she would berate herself for her lack of participation or saying, you know, maybe I said something stupid. You say like the whole, the whole walk from class A to class B was just like, <laughs> and the change we made was that she listened to really encouraging music mm. on that walk. You know, yeah. So it didn't make take any more time, yeah. but it completely changed. Instead of her getting like this <clears throat> kind of bombardment of stress hormone because she's berating herself for that walk that took like seven minutes, she was getting some happy hormone because yeah. she was listening to music that was uplifting and and connected her to Jesus. And so, and so it you know it, it changed her her whole body. And the day, the day's impact of life on her body was impacted by her doing those, those kinds of interventions. So that I'm so passionate about that. Um, I love, I love the, um, using the metaphor with people of hormone soup. So I, um, it came to me out of this, this, uh, memory I had of, of living with a bunch of housemates and my friend Char was making tortilla soup and she put a tablespoon of cayenne by accident when it called for a teaspoon and none, which would be like awesome soup for some people. But for us, we were like, hot. <laughs> and, um, and I, it became for me a metaphor of sorts. If you consider that your body is a vat of soup that you're cooking every day and you want the soup to taste good, you know, all day long and the ingredients you have to put in it are basically stress hormone and happy hormone. And so let's say cayenne, you know, represents your stress hormone um, and happy hormone might be, you know, all the other in- ingredients. Um, but if you have, you want a little cayenne, you know, you want some in there to give it some kick, but if you have too much, it's overwhelming to your system. So mm-hmm. we want stress hormone. We need it to give us some oomph and, you know, to get us like psyched up to do things that make us um, nervous and that kind of thing. Yeah. But if we have too much we tend to feel anxious, emotionally fragile, um, frail, tentative, irritable. All those things, you know, tend to start happening to us when we have too much stress hormone in our body. So the messaging about self-care that really, um, that I think is one one dimensional and flat and impossible for people is just like, eliminate your stressors. (laughs) You need to eliminate your stressors. And I'm like, okay, so Sometimes you can eliminate your stressors. Sometimes you can. Right. A lot of times you can't quit your job. Right. You can't stop living with your children who are going through difficult things. You can't um, stop that your mom is going through chemo. I mean, you know, like you you can eliminate these stressors. But seasoned chefs know that when you put too much cayenne in your soup, that you can add yogurt or brown sugar or potatoes in the soup sometimes to mellow it out and make it really good soup again. Helpable. Yeah. Add things to it. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think um, there's so many things that I think, I feel like Jesus is just waiting there for us to just mm-hmm. to bless us and to give us like the, the happy hormone right there. Like, come on, come on, you know, have a little minute with me. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, do a, a, read a Psalm mm-hmm. and see what happens inside, you know? Reach out to a friend and and see how you feel. You know that these these in the brown brown sugar and potatoes basically, and getting those into the 
hormone soup mix. That's, that's what I want people to be able to do better. And, and what I, I hope people understand to be, oh, my self-care doesn't just mean like the thing I might plan for, you know, this weekend or next month, but it, it also means like today, how do I make sure the soup tastes pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's what I love because we don't, many of us can't wait, right? We, yeah. you, so many can't wait for a month. They're, they're exhausted right now. They're stressed right now. They're on the brink of burnout right now. Yes. And what, what today, and, and that doesn't have to wait that freedom, that release, that the peace doesn't have to, we don't have to wait for that. We can change again, the broadcasting, the, 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 the structure of our day, how we experience different pockets within our day. Mm-hmm. We, we do, we are, he is inviting us into that change. And so go get this book, Restore My Soul, Reimagining Self-Care for a Sustainable Life, Janice McWilliams. So go get it. Go get it for your people too. Yeah. I'm going to challenge, if you own a business, if you have like people um, that you could gift this to in your sphere, go do that. Yes. Start a Bible study on it. Mm-hmm. It's that important. It's that important. Um, yeah. I think it lends itself really well to, you know, a, a seminar or small group. I, I have like a small group guide. You could reach out to me about that. But I, I do think that that talking about the book with friends helps deepen the concepts really. And it's there are twenty three dis, precise like distinct skills in it. So it's the kind of book you can come back to and spot yeah. check yourself. You know, like ah, oh, I'm really. My, my, I'm, I am really stuck in a lot of rumination and despairing thoughts lately. Like, and then you can go back to that, the chat, the essential skills on that stuff and try to address it. So I hope people will do that. I do too. I am with you. So don't wait. And what I also, I'm just going to, and I, again, I know I'm like gushing over, but here's the reality. So much of what we read and take in content wise, we, we don't apply right? We'll read it and we'll become what I call spiritually fat, right? We have all this knowledge and information, but we actually aren't moving in it. We're not applying it and working it in and walking in it. So what I, yes. yes. I mean, okay. I'm a trainer at heart. Yeah. And I think I'm going to, I'm not going to get the quote right, but I re- was really struck by something I believe is Dallas Willard said, information does not transform. Experience transforms. Yes. And so if if we are not finding ways to experience biblical truths, skills yes. that that renew us, it just knowing about them is not is not going to transform us. It's it's yes. that's that's where that that um those essential skills chapters came from for me. It's like it's got to be a lived experience yes. for any of this to take any kind of real root to change yes. change who we are. Yes. And I'm just, I don't want people to disqualify themselves or check out of things they're called to um, and, and yeah. missional kingdom living mm. because they feel overwhelmed and exhausted. Yes. And, and, and I know Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus, right. you know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't call you to things so that you'll burn out. <laughs> that is not what he wants. You know? So how can we, figure, figure this out better than we are. Yes. 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 Janice, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Um, PS first, Janice is going to pray for you before Mm -hmm. we end, but you have a free resource. Yeah. Yeah. Find that and we'll link it below as well. Okay. Okay. Yes. Go to hormonesoupresource.com where I have, uh, like a 50, self-care ideas that take five minutes or less to do. And there's like space for you to do your own kind of work on that and pick two or three to start doing just to, to be the sugar and potatoes that you're putting into your own hormone soup to feel a bit better. It makes small interventions make a big difference. Yes. So good. So good. Mm -hmm. And PS Janice also speaks. She loves to come and do trainings, workshops, you name it. 
So JaniceMcWilliams.com, we will also link her in the comments below. Um, okay. Hit her up. She'd love to come and speak with your people and be with yes. you and all the things. So thank you so much. Janice, would you mind praying for? I would love to. I would love to. Lord, thank you for this conversation. And for each listener here, I pray that there would be something that is remembered that is particularly for them. And that you would take that, um, that whether it's a skill or just a concept or an idea, and you would help it to go deep into um, the hearts and lives of every single person listening for the sake of their wholeness and well-being so that they are empowered to live into the things you're calling them to. Jesus, I thank you that you do not want any one of these listeners or viewers now to be burned out or to be exhausted or to be overwhelmed. And so would you continue the work in each of them of drawing them into completion of the people that you are creating them, you have created them to be moving and living in the spaces that you've brought them to. I trust you with each of your lives in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Janice. Thank you for being with us, everyone. Um, You're a gift. And again, restore my soul. Go get it. Um, We appreciate you spending time with us. Absolutely. I'm just so honored to be here. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Friend, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? If so, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make and start a podcast so easily and then distribute it everywhere and even earn some money. It's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. And then you can distribute it wherever podcasts are heard. Even video podcasts are available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. But best of all, it's totally free and there's no catch. Ever since we've been using Spotify for Podcasters at A Wife Like Me, we've been able to triple our reach, reaching wives across the globe. And it's so simple. Again, we do this right from our computer. And again, you can do it from your phone. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app. Or just go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters. Again, www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started.